Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. All right, let's go. Hey, I'm excited for this series. We're kicking off this series, The God Honest Truth. And it's built on this thought that every relationship that we have is based and determined on how we view the person. How we view the person. So, for example, so Brandon and I, before we started dating, uh, Brandon was a gross boy that would chase me with frogs. He had a bowl cut way too long that, uh, like, it was way past its prime. It was way out of style. Um, if you don't know, we met in second grade, so there's that context. Um, and just to share a little bit of our childhood friendship, he uh, was supposed to be Joseph in the Christmas play. I was supposed to be Mary, and I did not want to be married to Brandon, so I refused to be in the play. Actually, I was Gabriel. That's who I, that's who I was. But then... Brandon kind of disappeared for three years. We started middle school, and I had no idea that Brandon and I went to the same school. Like, we were totally on two different stratospheres. We just, I didn't even know he existed. And then we started high school, and Brandon reappears. And I, <laughs> he just said, yeah, he did. <laughs> and he's funny. And I start to notice that he's funny, and he's really nice. He's still a terrible, terrible dresser. And he has really, really bad hairstyles. Just search my uh, Facebook. You'll see some of those hairstyles. But I begin to start to see the potential of where this relationship could grow. And it changed forever. How you view a relationship determines the relationship. This is true in so many different spheres. It, this is true in our work environments, how you view your boss, how you view your employees, your coworkers, how you view uh, your friends at school, how you view uh, your marriage, your spouse, your siblings. How you view a relationship determines the relationship. And this is an important insight because how we view Jesus determines our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we see that, I mean, there's so many different opinions about who Jesus is. And so over the next few weeks, as we prepare for Easter, we want to come to the God honest truth about who Jesus is and who he was, who he can be in our lives today. And so today I want to lean into something that's really important for all of us to understand is that Christianity rises and falls on who Jesus was. It rises and falls on who, what Jesus came to do. It's not, it's not based off of theism. It's not based off of the Bible. It rises and falls on the fact that Jesus came to earth, that he died on the cross, and he rose again. Like, that is why we have Christianity. And so today, I want us to really lean into who Jesus is. I want us to look at who he is and how he came to be a teacher, how he came to teach you and me. And the truth is, is Jesus' teachings, they changed all of history. They, like, this is not just my opinion. It's a fact. They changed all of history. His, his way of thinking, his mindset completely changed the way that people thought. There's sayings that we all say today that sometimes people don't even realize Jesus was the original owner of that thought. Little idioms like, go the extra mile. Be the good Samaritan. This is the blind leading the blind. This is my cross to bear. 
eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus said all of those. I heard this uh, the story one time of a politician that was talking to someone, and he said, he said, I love how John F. Kennedy, uh, I love John F. Kennedy and his motto, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And the person, yeah, the person that's listening to this conversation was like, well, JFK got that from Jesus. Yeah, so like things, we just sometimes we don't even realize how much Jesus has impacted our society. Before Jesus, virtues like humility, peace, love, mercy, they were not, they were not the leading thought of the day. Like, actually, humility was, it was discouraged. It was not encouraged. If you think about the Greeks and the Romans, it wasn't even on the table. Like, humility was not an option. And so, like, if you look at ancient texts back from before Jesus was, uh, before Jesus came, the, the, the leading thought of the day was, like, courage and wisdom and justice. And while those things are not bad things, really, they're good things, but if you're missing humility, if you're missing love, mercy, and peace, those things really, they really create an atmosphere of superiority. They create an, a rat race. They, they create a, an environment where people just try to dominate one another. And in fact, that's what was happening. They were the driving thoughts of the day. And so when Jesus came along, the people were hungry. They were ready for something different. They were ready for something more. And Jesus was an incredible teacher. He had a way of connecting with his audience like no one had ever before. And he, I just love to think about that people would travel on foot. They would walk mile after mile to go hear him speak. They would skip meals so that they would be able to listen to him teach a little bit more. That's why we have so many, uh, there, there's several stories of Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and that's because people didn't want to miss what Jesus was saying. And here's why this is so important. Jesus didn't come to teach us a new way to think. He came to show us a new way to live. He came to show us a new way to live. He isn't just the teacher. He came to be your teacher he didn't come just to die on the cross for you, but he came to model the life that you could experience in the here and now, even in the hardest moments of our life, in the places where we experience the deepest uncertainty or the places of greatest temptation. Jesus wants to teach us, and he wants to help, help us navigate these experiences, and that's what following Jesus is all about. See, while Jesus was fully God, he was also fully human. So he experienced life the same way that you and I experienced life. He had crazy family tensions. He, he grew up <coughs> in uh, intense political climate. He had friends that all they ever did was just try to compete with one another. They were just trying to one-up each other. And we all have friends like that. It gets a little annoying, right? But that's what, I mean, that, that's who his friends were. And he, he experienced the pain of people not believing in him. He experienced grief. He experienced betrayal. But Jesus didn't just have all these moments where people believed that he was the Son of God and started following him. Jesus had these gut-wrenching moments, moments where 
he had to make a choice, where he had to make a decision to keep leading, where he had to decide, I'm going to stay on mission and I'm going to follow where God's taken me. And these are the same kind of moments that you and I experience, the moments where we're being tested and where we have to choose how we are going to respond. And Jesus came to help show us how we can overcome and how we can follow even in the hardest moments of our lives. So today I want to help show you how Jesus taught us to follow, even in the midst of our temptations, even in the midst of our testings, when we're in the middle of the fire how we can follow Jesus. So to do that, we're going to lean into an experience that Jesus has. It's right after he's baptized by John the Baptist. And up until this point, Jesus uh, seemed to be leading a pretty normal life. He wasn't healing people. He wasn't doing miracle after miracle. He wasn't teaching the large crowds. Uh, Jesus, honestly, his life was pretty quiet up until this point. And his baptism was really a defining moment for him. It was, it was a catalyst for the next three years of his life. It's when his ministry began. And from his baptism, the scripture tells us, that Jesus is led into the desert, and he is going to be tempted by, he's led into the desert by the Holy Spirit, and he is tempted by Satan um, for 40 days. He's in the desert. There's two different uh, accounts of this. There, it's, in, it's found in Matthew and Luke, and we're going to lean into Luke's account today. It's Luke 4, if you want to turn or click there. And I want to lean into something real quick, that this experience is pretty pivotal for you and for me. Because the very first thing that Jesus experiences, the very first thing that he models for us how to follow in this desert moment is linked to the very thing that caused all of humanity to be separated from God. And it's temptation. And yes, he's talking about temptation and sin. It's definitely that. But it's also the temptation to not follow where the Lord's leading. It's the temptation to, to, it's the temptation to follow a lie. It's the temptation to, to follow what the enemy is saying. It's following, it's, it's breaking your relationship with your father. See, we're familiar with Adam and Eve and their Garden of Eden experience, how they were tempted by Satan. They were tempted to question what God said. Did God really say not to eat that fruit? Will you really die? The enemy said, you won't really die. Really, your eyes will be open. You'll, you'll become like God. You'll, be, you'll have this great wisdom. Listen, Adam and Eve weren't tempted with a mere apple. Adam and Eve were tempted by their appetite. They were tempted by an easy path to power. They were tempted by the potential for their personal gain. And because of their decision in this temptation, there's a separation. There's a separation forever for all of humankind between God and and humans. And you have to know that that has been the enemy's goal from the very beginning in temptation, is to bring a division, is to bring a divide in your relationship with God, to stir your appetites towards yourself, towards your power, towards your personal gain. And the fact is, is we all face temptation. No one is immune from it. And that's why this story of Jesus being tempted is so significant, because Jesus is no different. 
In fact, the three temptations Jesus encounters are that they mirror the same temptations that that uh, not Mary that Adam and Eve encountered in the garden. And what is so beautiful is Jesus teaches us how to overcome it. See, the enemy, he wanted to separate Jesus from God. He wanted to pull him away from his relationship with his heavenly father. He wanted to lure Jesus into acting independent. And he wanted him to become a rebellious son. He wanted him to become a rebellious son. But Jesus overcame this temptation, and he wants to teach you, and he wants to teach me how we can overcome too. So let's see how he does this. Let's read Luke. Read Luke with me. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is so important because Luke tells us that God's Spirit is with Jesus. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He isn't alone. Jesus is with him. And sometimes you and I, we can wrestle with feeling like we are walking alone. And I want you to know today that you are not walking alone, that you have God's spirit with you, that Jesus came so that you will never have to walk through temptation alone again. God is always with you. He's always with you. Luke continues on. He says, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end, he was hungry. He was hungry. Jesus was hungry. How many of you are like me, and when you're hungry, you're hangry? Like, I, I am not a nice person. All I can think about is food. Like, there is, there's no way to distract my mind. And Jesus is hungry. So let's just say Jesus is hangry. I mean, he's been, he hasn't eaten in 40 days. And I want you to realize this. That is where the enemy starts to talk to him. When he's hungry, when he's weak, when his mind is distracted, when his mind is consumed, that's where the enemy says, if you're the son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. The enemy is saying, just, just do this real quick. If you're the son of God, then I know you have the power. I, I know you have the authority. Just turn this bread, turn the stone into bread. The enemy is doing two things in this moment. He's questioning Jesus's identity. He says, if you're the son of God, if, if, what a gut punch, right? Like, if you're the son of God, surely your father wouldn't have led you here to starve. If you're the son of God, surely he wouldn't have led you to this desolate place to die. If you're the son of God, he's calling into question his identity. He's calling into question his calling, his purpose. And he's trying to divide his relationship with his heavenly father. He's trying to take, uh, he's trying to take Jesus out of the knees. He says, if you're the son of God, well, then prove it. The next thing he does is he questions his security. He says, tell this stone to become bread. I know you're hungry. Just turn this stone into bread. The enemy is tempting to Jesus to satisfy his own need. Yes, it's a legitimate need. He's genuinely hungry. He's tempting him to satisfy his own need. But the thing is, is the enemy isn't challenging Jesus to be strong and to do something on his own. Really, he's challenging his relationship and his trust with his heavenly father. 
He's challenging his relationship and his trust in his heavenly father. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, responds to the enemy and he says, It is written, man should not live on bread alone. Jesus responds to the enemy by quoting scripture. It's found in Deuteronomy 3. And in its context, y'all, this is beautiful. It's calling the people of God to remember the faithfulness of God. He's calling the, uh, Deuteronomy is saying, remember how faithful your Lord is. He provided everything you needed, even in the desert. That's the context. And Jesus didn't give in to the temptation to prove that he was the son of God. Instead, he uses words inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to define what life is all about. He says, life isn't about living on bread. It's a defined, about, defined by doing the will of God and depending on his leading. And in this moment, Jesus is teaching you and me something that's so important. He's saying, resist self-sufficiency by resting in God's sufficiency. Man should not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Listen, God will sustain you. He will strengthen you. Know that your heavenly father will provide everything that you need. Resist the temptation to satisfy your own desires. No matter how legitimate they are, no matter how hungry you are, don't allow your fears to lead you. Don't allow your fear that you will not have enough, that you will not be enough. Don't allow that to lead you, but rest in who you are and whose you are. You are the son or daughter of God. You have his spirit living in you. Don't allow the enemy to take your birthright, but rest in who you are and whose you are and know that your heavenly father, who's a good father, will provide everything that you need. Jesus said, don't worry, that's right. He said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body or about what you will wear. It's not life more than food and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor store away in barns, yet their heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you much more valuable than they are? Resist self-sufficiency and trust in God's sufficiency. Next, Luke tells us that the devil leads Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I will give you all of their authority and their splendor. It has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be done and it will be yours. The enemy, whether in a dream or in a vision, he takes Jesus to a place to show him everything that could be his if he would only worship the devil. This could all be yours. Just, just take this shortcut. You, you could bypass the, 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 the pain that you have to go through. You could bypass the hardship that you have to walk through. Just you, like, you could start leading and ruling right now. Jesus could bypass the cross. He could bypass the pain and the shame. And in this moment, all Jesus has to do is to create an alliance with Satan. And although the enemy is a great talker, he tried really hard to convince Jesus. The enemy has no authority to make this promise. He can't make it happen. He's lying. And Jesus knows this, and he answers. He says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Again, Jesus quotes words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will only worship God, not you, Satan. I'm not going to worship myself. I'm not going to bypass my calling. I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm, I'm going to trust where God's leading and guiding me, and I'm going to worship and serve him only. Jesus says, I will follow his lead. I will trust him where he is leading and guiding me. He teaches us to lay down our will, even in the middle of our tempting, in the middle of our testing, even if it doesn't benefit us, to lay it down. Don't take that shortcut, but trust where God is leading and guiding you. Even in the middle of tempting, in the, in the middle of testing, trust in the path that God has for you, even if it's painful. Jesus is teaching us, he says, resist the shortcut by serving God's purpose. Jesus models that this his entire life. From this moment forward, Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. Every step from this moment on echoes his position, not my will, but yours be done. Every step he takes, every step up the hill to the cross, he's saying, not my will, but yours be done. Because following God's plan and following God's purpose is worth it, whatever it costs. So resist taking the shortcut. Resist taking the shortcut and trust in God's purposes. Then the enemy takes Jesus to the highest point of the temple, and he says, uh, if you're the son of God, again, attacking his relationship, he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and he will, they will lift you up in their hands, and, they will not strike your, and you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's tempting Jesus to perform a miracle. And then the tension in this moment is Jesus is using scripture just like, I mean, Satan is using scripture just like Jesus has been using scripture. But what Satan does in this moment is he actually doesn't say the whole thing. He omits a key phrase, in all your ways. In all your ways. In all your ways means in how God is leading and guiding and God wasn't leading and guiding Jesus at this moment to test his power. He wasn't leading and guiding him to, to take that, this leap of faith. Instead, he's got, if, like, if Jesus would have thrown himself down from the temple, he would have been going outside of God's will. And Jesus answers the enemy. He says, it, is, it says, do not put the Lord your God to a test. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, responds with the scripture by saying, I'm not testing God. If he hasn't told me to, I'm not going to. It's not worth it. I'm not breaking my relationship. Whatever benefit I could have in this moment, it's not worth it. Jesus is teaching us to resist selfish ambition by trusting in God's promises. It's not worth your relationship. It's not worth the division that it will create. Whatever you have in the here, like whatever is presenting itself in the here and now, it's not worth what it will, it will cost you. That, that's a temporary benefit. It'll cost you eternity. It'll cost you heartache and pain. Listen, sometimes we can see an open door and we get worried. We think, okay, this is my door to walk through. Not every open door is your door to walk through. Does that make sense? 
when Brandon and I, Brandon was on staff at our home church for 16 years and um, churches would call him every so often asking him to come and be their lead pastor. And while that's a good thing, it wasn't the door that God had opened for us. We knew that God had given us a plan and we knew a word that God had given us for this season. And if we had walked through that open door, even though it was open, we would have been going outside of the will of God. Not every door is the door for you to walk through. Sometimes the door is just like, it's not worth it. It's not worth what it'll cost you. It's not, it's not worth it's not worth the division that it'll create in your relationship with your father. Even though it may not be a bad thing, if God's given you a call, if he's given you a plan, it's more important to be faithful to where he's called you and to stay where he's asked you to be. John 10.10 10 says, The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to come and destroy your relationship with your Heavenly Father. He wants to use temptation to separate you, to create a division, to create a divide. And he wants to keep you from everything that you were made for, that your heart really longs for. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. He came to show us, to lead us into that full life, a life full of hope, a life full of purpose, a life full of freedom and calling. That is what it means to follow Jesus. It means to be following after him, to let him be your teacher, to let him be your guide. And that he wants to guide you even in every moment of your life. When life is easy and when life is hard, he wants to walk with you. We are all going to face temptation. There's no doubt about it. So I want you to ask yourself, how do I respond in a way that looks to Jesus to guide me through it? How do I respond in a way that looks to Jesus to guide me through it? Do I trust him? Do I, do I try to control the situation? Do I, do I put God to a test? Or do I rest in my Heavenly Father and in my security in Him? How do I look to Jesus to let Him guide me through it? Jesus had a very consistent response every time the enemy confronted Him. And He responded with the Word of God. He knew the Word of God. And that's your one thing to do today is to start reading your Bible. Start knowing the Word of God. We're in the middle, we, as a church, we're reading through the Bible in a year, and uh, you can join us today. We're reading in Luke right now. How fancy is that? So you could join us right now, and you could start reading Luke, and you could start allowing Jesus to be your teacher and really inform your mind, inform your thoughts, inform your day around what Jesus is teaching in the book of Luke. You can make, make that commitment from now until Easter. Just, I'm going to let every day Jesus inform my mind. I'm going to allow him to come and speak to me. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and lead and guide you as you read the word of God, because he was the one that inspired those writers in the first place. So ask the Holy Spirit to come and lead and guide you and let Jesus be your teacher.
Let him lead and guide you. And what could happen if you did that? How how could you respond in a way that would be allowing Jesus to lead and guide you? You would know. You would know what Jesus would want in that moment. You would know the truth. You would know you would know the difference between a lie and the truth. Just as we close today, as I was praying over this moment, I really felt like the Lord was saying for some people, it's time for us to close the gate. It's time for us to close the gate. There's the lies of the enemy have been flooding into our hearts and our minds and they're leading and guiding us. And God's saying, it's time to close the gate. Cut off the supply line. Don't allow the enemy to lead anymore. Don't allow those fears to speak to your heart and your mind. Don't be tempted by those fears. It's time to close the gate. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Close the gate. Say to the enemy, I am, God is my refuge. He is my fortress. Say it. Jesus spoke the truth to the enemy every single time that he was tempted. He spoke it out loud and he proclaimed the truth that that was going to lead him in that moment. Close the gate. Close the gate and don't allow the enemy into the camp anymore, into your fortress. Uh, Rest in the Almighty and know that he is with you. He's with you, and he's always going to be with you. You don't have to walk through this, those thoughts by yourself. Know that God is with you, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to lead and guide you. So just as we close today, I want to take a moment just to pray with you. If you bow your heads. Today, I just want us to make a moment where we're putting a stake in the ground and we are saying, God, we're closing the gate. We're going to allow your truth to lead us. We're going to allow your word to lead and guide us. And if that's you today, if you've been really struggling with the lies of the enemy and really battling, you've been tested, you've you've been tried, I just, I want to take a moment just to pray for you personally. I want us to take a moment where we say to the enemy right now, the gate's closed. I want you to raise your hand just as a symbol to the enemy. Hey, it's done. This gate's closed. I'm going to allow the truth of Christ to lead and guide me. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Amen. Amen. Well, God, we thank you. We thank you that you lead us into all truth. God, we thank you that you are with us in the middle of our testing and that you showed us a way so that we can be we can overcome any temptation. God, we can overcome any lie of the enemy, any any uh, way that he tries to stir in us uh, an appetite for ourselves, an appetite for our our own power, our own personal gain. And Jesus, we choose today to let you come and be our teacher. For you to come be our Lord. We shut the gate. We close the gate. 
and we follow after you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.